I know this is very American, okay? And Sinclair Ferguson and and Ian Murray would, they're not in their graves yet, but they would turn over. Um, but um, can we just do an American round of applause, just an appreciation for the Lord and his gift of saints for the comings to make the time to come up and uh, spend time with us. They are a, a hoot and a, a great time to spend with, and and they were back in Israel years ago, 14 years ago, and, and uh, have not diminished in that flame. And we're going to get to, uh, I want to ask them a little bit about life in Texas and how the Lord saved them and brought them together. Um, but there's some things that, as I get older, I forget. So I put those things at the top of the, I put those things at the top of my list. But um, a number of our folks in our our church membership are now negotiating or dealing with older parents or parents who are ill or the need to care for parents. And in our time together this weekend, you shared a little bit that that's something that the Lord has blessed you with experience in that way. And uh, so I wanted to ask you if you could share maybe uh, a little bit of that story and then also maybe um, some pointers and some insights for people who are just starting on that journey. And for the folks in our congregation, as I meet with them, I think initially they feel overwhelmed. How do I take care of this illness? How do I take care of these folks? Um, Stuart Scott had shared with me privately, he said, sometimes it's like taking care of teenagers all over again in that they need your help, but they kind of don't want your help and they want it done on their terms. And so people feel like they're getting crushed between different expectations. So maybe you could speak to us about that. Sure. So David's mom came to live with us uh, 12 years ago after breaking her femur, like breaking it. <laughs> Um, not just a, a, a small fracture. And uh, we were told her her life would be altered. And so it's not something that we just gradually went into. It's just we woke up one day and we were there. But we know that the Lord provides grace in those instances. We don't always have that preparation of, you know, I didn't study elder care. I was in my 40s. I wasn't thinking along those lines. And so um, with, with that, uh, we were thrown into 24-7 care for probably what, six months. And then um, as she began to heal just by God's grace and re recover, um, just to gain that a little bit of independence again. But then she did move in with us uh, so that we could uh, help her along the way. She's 88 now, so um, she is older. Um, one of the things that I am constantly reminding myself is that even though, like you said, uh, a person can act like an 80-year-old three-nager, they're your parent. And so we know from Scripture we honor our parents, right? We train our children, but we honor our parents. And so that's where the friction comes a lot of times because we feel like we're training them because you're teaching them how to do things a new way in your home, right? Well, really, maybe we're being hospitable and helping them to feel welcome in your home and not training them 
as a as a young child. And so we're constantly working on that in our hearts. Um, but just I'm constantly reminding myself um, to honor my parents. I mean, it's it's his mom, but the the gist is the same to honor her. Um, and the Lord truly does give grace to do those things that you think might be un- unimaginable. Um, and he will prepare you for those things and to trust him in that, whatever that is. For us, it was, you know, she couldn't bathe. She couldn't, do, you know, do the basic things herself. And, um, and now she's encountering dementia. And so that's another whole level of respect, right? Because they truly uh, don't remember um, what has just happened an hour before or 10 minutes before. Um, so navigating that. It is really good. Dementia is a strange thing. And of course, a lot of people are running into that. And even within our church, we have several families with parents in that boat. And it's been a great opportunity to uh, for them to comfort us and the comfort they found in their affliction and, and for us to do the same back to them. Uh, dementia is a very strange animal, of course, because uh, you have a conversation and then five minutes later, it's like it never occurred. And so there's no payback in the care in a way. So it is really, in my mind, uh, as I've thought about it, it is one of the great opportunities to show selfless kind of care for somebody. There's no payback, right? I mean, it's just going to get worse. And at some point, she's probably going to go, who are you? And uh, I'm going to go, I live down the street. Sorry, Mom, get out of here. No, (laughs) no. But uh, no, it is a great opportunity for that. And to come alongside, there's a guy I meet with each week, his wife, he's an older guy, came to the Lord about eight years ago. He came to the Lord at 70, well, 10 years ago, 72. He's now 82. And uh, we meet every week just to encourage each other on this issue. And God's placed that, I think, even in our lives as a opportunity to, uh, for him, to be there for him and to kind of better understand it. The biblical truths are the same, but you got to kind of process, okay, how do I really put this into play? And that's such a help because, you know, we're living in a time and a place, and it's well documented, that taking taking care of someone with special needs, whatever it is, whatever age, um, you know, the, the caregiver from the world's perspective, take God out of the picture, take the local church out of the picture, the caregiver burnout is high, Right. And we know working with Rick McLean at Grace Community Church that with special needs families, the divorce rate and the abandonment of men walking away from their families with a special needs child, high, right? And so we say, where do we receive the strength and encouragement and help along the way as we confront a burden that's too big for us, right? And you've shared that, and that's helpful to have someone in the local church who can walk with us where we can come to the Lord together and share our burdens, confess our sins, and come to the Lord is key. And that's an opportunity for the church to come around one another in these instances, because we have several things like that in our church. We have a gentleman who has a, a very highly autistic child who uh, is a big man now. He's a grown man, and uh, but it can be very, very difficult to deal with, right, even physically to deal with. And how do we come alongside those with those kind of needs as a church family? How do we support? What are the things we can do to show love and care for one another in those things? Even now, we're able to be here today because of a young couple in our church. They're 
been married what now almost three years it'll be three years in about a month or so um i know here that's like the oldest couple but uh um they're they're staying in our home they've moved in and they're staying with her and caring and ministering to others at the same time and it's just a wonderful it's a blessing for us to be able to do that Uh, to have them minister to us in that way my mom loves it she won't remember it but she loves it and uh it's just the body doing what the body's supposed to do and we look how do we look for that we may not be in that situation but how do we look for opportunities like that if you're dealing with dementia there's a pretty good book i found recently uh, finding grace in the faith face of dementia uh, by a medical doctor who's also a believer so that's excellent yeah right absolutely down. and i i think i gave it to lyndon or at least recommended it and mm-hmm. have started it myself so um it's so encouraging that first chapter it's like i'm so focused on how to fix all my parents' problems. And he anchors us in God's sovereignty and his calling and wow. And Imago Day, right? Yes. This is an image bearer of God. Absolutely. Yeah. And and we're blessed. David's mom is a believer, a precious believer. And um encouraging them in the things that they've always known. Uh, she's a prayer warrior. Uh, she studies God's word. So still giving her those tools and those resources and saying, will you pray for this? Oh, don't forget to pray for this, because then it turns their thinking back to those things that they knew law in the past. And that's a great lesson for our own lives in that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the habits that she created over a lifetime like that. Uh, now that she's in this mode, she continues she and I have like in my library, I've got I don't know how many biographies and she loves biographies. So I just keep pulling them off. I could probably pull the same one off and just keep giving it to her and it'd be fine. But I just keep doing it. And I'll ask her at the end of the day, well, what did you read and what God? And she probably doesn't remember much of anything. But in the moment, she's rejoicing in what God's doing and uh, that flies away. But it keeps her mind focused on a godly perspective instead of a selfish perspective as well. And uh, that's a large part because that's the pattern she set up in her own life. And it's a, it's a great uh, charge, I think, to my life and to all our lives to think about, okay, what patterns do I have that would continue if, you know. But isn't that what we need, too, when you think about, yeah, here's the principle of how, you encur- how do we encourage and lift up a saint who's struggling with dementia? And everything, all those principles that you just said, apply to everybody. And in, in this day and age, where, where we're at through our entertainment and social media is people are living an instant feedback loop where they're living the same dark story over and over again. And there needs to be a rescue. We see that all we know, yeah. the data shows from secular people that, you know, TikTok, all of these things, as far as the youth go, as far as the skyrocketing levels of anxiety and self-absorption, mm-hmm. If they could just, for a moment, whether I remember it or not, and, and, and it was so interesting, Jonathan Edwards made this point. He didn't worry about people remembering all the details of his sermon because he believed that Christ was risen and the Holy Spirit would work in the heart and he'd be untangling knots as the Spirit and the Word worked, which you know is the same principle for us. Yep. We need all those same principles you know, I, I've shared with Julie that when she's pushing my wheelchair in the senior's home, as she leaves me there and goes off, right? And I'm playing Parcheesi with the other folks there. I hope that 
I've got so Parcheesi. much. Yeah. So Do they know what Parcheesi is? No, they don't. Okay, I just wonder. <laughs> That's why the Lord's put me in this church. <laughs> that I'm so saturated and filled with the Word of God that all that comes out of Boy, me that's... by that time that I've that 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 fellowship with the Lord. And I know this is your interview, but I can't help but share the person who connected Julie and I. That came through ministering to a young saint who was 32 with a brain tumor, mm-hmm. where they'd asked me at Grace, and Kurt Gephardt had said, I'm not happy with the care he's getting. He comes from a single-parent home. Mom's a believer. He's a believer. Mark, would you, along with these other folks, go in with the family um, to be an advocate for them <laughs> with the oncologists and with the different folks who are there? And we were in the hospital with this guy who was 32 years old with a brain tumor. And when you heard him speak, it was like gibberish mm-hmm. in a short period of time. But then as we were getting ready to go, he said, Kurt, can I pray for you? And then he prayed the most lucid prayer, yeah. you know, and you, I said, you know, you are seeing a world that says there is no spirit and soul where the brain is completely damaged to see the spirit of God and the spirit that loves the Lord sure. present and alive and a moment of sweetness there for him where it all came together. And then when he deteriorated later on and his mom would call me and say, look, he's seeing cats climb up the, 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 the window and he's seeing all these things, what do I do? And you know, I had said to her, still a child of God, still loved by the Lord, still a spirit and a soul. If you can speak to him and read to him a Psalm mm-hmm. and pray with him. I said, that is going to be a kindness and a comfort to him, which she did. And it was, and it would, in the midst of that external stress for him, bring him to a place of safety and comfort. Um, it was just an amazing testimony to God's work. And that's why it's so important that, you know, just even like the charge to Joshua is this book of the law should not depart from your mouth. Yes. We need to develop those kind of habits now in our own lives. Uh, I knew a guy, his name was Hal Kemper. And Hal was the most Bible-versed guy I've ever met in my life. He was constantly memorizing scripture. And I was talking to his wife. We were out to dinner with his wife one time, and he, she starts laughing. We were talking about his Bible memory, and she says, you know what, he, he talks in his sleep. And when he talks in his sleep, you know, you know what he does? The what? He quotes scripture. That's saturated. That's what you're talking about there. That guy just said it was in there. It can't come out if it doesn't go in first, right? And so right now in our lives, we want to be just really careful to, hey, garbage in, garbage out, right? Computer terminology from the old days, you know, it's the same thing. And uh, those disciplines, and how do we come alongside? Um, and it can be frustrating, it can be complicated, just like parenting child. It's different because it's your parent, which is a different level of respect that's also in there. Not that you still respect your children, but it's a different thing how you even correct a, an older person and things like that, according to the scriptures. So just the wisdom to do that and do that well. Prepare yourself well, pour into people's life. And so for when your kids are taking care of you, what's bubbling out is the kind of stuff you're talking about there. Yeah, amen. So men, years ahead, you can keep your wives up by snoring and sleep apnea machines, or you can be... Sure, uh, tell her, what, is she done a lot of the Bible? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's Chronicles. He keeps doing First Chronicles 7. Begat, begat, begat. <laughs> We're going to take a, a step back in time. 
and we want a taste of Texas, and I'd love to hear how the Lord saved you and brought the two of you together. Yeah, so um, I was raised in an, an equally yoked home. My dad was not a believer. Um, my parents uh, got married because they had to. They were expecting me, and so they felt that that was the honorable thing to do. And uh, so my mom got saved right after they got married. Um, she were, came to the realization, I'm having this child and I can't do this. And so the Lord used that. And so actually my birthday is on January 22nd, which is Roe v. Wade. And so I'm always thankful for that because she was offered the opportunity not to choose life, yet she chose life. And so I always reflect on that. And just knowing all my days are ordained by God when there was not yet one of them. And so, uh, but it wasn't, even though my mom was very faithful and my grandmother, Lois, was extremely faithful uh, to take me to church and to point me to Christ, my eyes truly were not opened until I was about 17 years old. And um, it was then when um, I was kind of just playing a game like I can be a good girl, but I'm really not. And I thought I could, thought I could uh, trick everybody and make them think that I was. And so I was one person at school and another person at church. And uh, we're just self-deceived, right? And the Lord really got a hold of me when I was 17 uh, in September of that year in high school and uh, just really brought me low and just exposed that I am not the girl that I was pretending to be. And uh, I spent uh, 15 days in the hospital with a broken pelvis and a ruptured bladder, dislocated shoulder, lacerations, and some things like that. And uh, brought me low to see that uh, I can't play games with God. And uh, he saved me. And uh, not too terribly long after that, he saved you again. <laughs> I can't tell Julie that too, but she's been. Yeah, she's not buying it. Uh, I did. You saw I got hit. It wasn't any harder because they're watching. You know. No, and I grew up at a pastor's home, a self-righteous little pastor's boy. I knew all the answers, knew what to say. But it was not in the heart at all. And I remember fighting that diligently in my heart as a young boy, even. Uh, I knew what it meant to come to Christ. I knew that if I was going to respond to his grace in my life, it meant uh, dying to self. It meant repenting of my sins. And in all honesty, I did not want to do that. I felt that pretty hard. Uh, I'm not even, I'm probably like 13, I think, at that point. Okay. But I'm fighting it. Like a good 13 year old can fight things, right? And uh, I just remember just to do what? Yeah, the rest of us. Yeah, you're right. Um, and I remember I was talking to uh, a, a quarterback from OU, Oklahoma. Uh, and uh, he was talking to me about salvation, Christ, grace, faith, everything, and my sin. And it was at that point God really just opened my eyes and just said, you know what? I'm good. What I'm calling you to is not a negative thing. To repent of your sins and to follow me is not a, a big, uh, wow, I'm dropping everything that I love to kind of grip my teeth and do this other thing. But it is 
uh, salvation from my sin, which leads to destruction. And uh, and I came to know the Lord as a young boy then, but followed him. And uh, like she said, we met a year later. I was 14. She was 19. No. <laughs> so we Shame met. the devil and tell the truth. <laughs> we met uh, while I was at Texas A&M, and she was at a junior college called Blinn Junior College, which we lovingly called Blender Garden. And uh, because we're mean people. Um, anyway, she we were working at the same place. It was a store called Foley's, which is bought by Macy's and now Macy's. So we, we met at Macy's of all places. We weren't at the same church or anything. And, uh, you know, we got married and uh, there was never, I was in architecture and construction. There was never a talk of, let's, I'm going to go in the ministry. I thought about that in high school quite regularly. But I kind of decided I'm going to be a, a lay guy in a church. I can teach. I can do all those exercises, all my gifts, and then I can have just a normal career, and not have the. My dad was a pastor, not this politics thing that you see sometimes in churches. And uh, so we never talked about that. So she married me, thinking she was marrying an architect or whatever, and uh, then stable provider. Yeah, like like maybe like I guess it'd only be like bigger if she'd married like if I was a doctor and did something like that. <laughs> So uh, anyway, uh, God started working our lives, and about 10 years afterwards, ended up going to ministry. And I just, again, it's just a, a testimony to the greatness of God, that he gifted her, prepared her, uses her, I mean, her ministry to women and different, I mean, it's just, uh, there's never been, in my mind, a better pastor's wife and servant of the Lord than my wife. And God just did that. You know, and we were like, you know, at Masters, you know, everybody's like, well, I got to find the right, the pastor's guy looking for the right pastor's wife. Nah. Or certain well at Jesus. TMU. <laughs> at certain dorms, yeah. In their MRS. Yeah. Anyway, so that's kind of the... The Lord set us free of that. Yeah. Praise God. <laughs> um, Kim, I wanted to talk a little bit for the ladies today um, as far as... You have a podcast on a regular basis. You minister to women. Um, what are some of the challenges that you see are the battlegrounds right now in the forefront for women and God's provision for those? Absolutely. Well, um, I feel like I know, we know pastors have a sword in one hand and uh, to fight off the wolves and... Um, you know, the, the word of God in another hand to feed the sheep. And I feel like somewhat in women's ministry under the care of our elders, as we compliment them, that it's very similar, right? Um, we want to be discerning. Um, but I would say to answer your question quickly, uh, what we're really seeing is this, I don't know which wave it is, there's debate, the third or fourth wave of feminism uh, that we're struggling with because it does infiltrate the church um, in various ways, if we're not careful. Um, so I would say that that's a really big one. And then, of course, identity issues. It's very broad, and it covers a various uh, aspect of, of, of women, aspects of women like, you know, in mothering, uh, singleness. Uh, then, of course, all the gender identity issues that we're encountering um, and so our, 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 chi our children are being faced with this. Young women are being faced with this. 
Um, And so those are some of the things that we're speaking about and preparing hearts and helping them to understand uh, who they are if they are in Christ. And if they are not in Christ and they come to us, then those are opportunities for what we call pre-counseling, right? Um, When someone comes to me like a grandmother, please come invest in my granddaughter. Well, she's not a believer. So I can't help her with her rebellion apart from Christ. And so I'm going to be spending time uh, just opening up the scriptures to see what is said about the gospel and using that as an opportunity in a real simple way, depending on the age of the person, but a real simple way, like say, if a teenage girl is, is brought to me is I just take Milton Vincent's gospel primer and I'll use that to show this is what a believer looks like. And I'm counseling them through it, not giving them a false expectation that this is who they are, um, because it is written to believers of who they are in Christ, but showing them the the beauties and the glories of the gospel if they come and just sharing with them constantly and asking them those heart-provoking questions that are keeping them from coming to Christ. I can't do it, right? It's a work of the Spirit of of Christ to save someone, but I do want to be faithful not to turn them into little Pharisees. And so I want to make sure that I'm just pointing them to the gospel um, if if it is someone who's not saved. And if it is someone who's saved, there's hope. We have the Word of God and we have the work of Christ in our lives. And so it, it's pretty simple. You can pretty much distill the, the issues that are coming in the doors down to a few things. And identity is a real big one. And a lot of it stems from um, the feminist mindset that is just in everything. Yeah, even for the guys, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for sharing that. Um, David, I wanted to ask for the men. Um and I didn't know you were a pastor's son, so this is going to be helpful, I think, for people who have, especially men who have been in the church for a long time or raised in the church a long time, both young and old men. One of the things I've noticed, one of the battlegrounds that uh, and attacks is apathy, apathy both in leadership, but apathy to the simple things of even prayer and spending time in the Word with Christ, and we'll hear frequently, I just don't desire to do it. But then with the older men where you see creeping in with many tasks, where uh, ministry in the church is one of many things that they're trying to juggle to try and hold it all together. And I'm sure um, you've seen that, wouldn't it? We've seen it through seminary too, with seminarians, the same thing. And you talked about it this morning, as far as legalism goes, the opposite of licentiousness, um, you know, how do you shepherd that, and, and what thoughts do you have for us on that? Yeah, well, familiarity breeds contempt sometimes in people's life, and they kind of feel like, I'll give you, we talked about it at dinner a little bit. We went to a uh, counseling training, and even in my own life, as I went to this counseling training, this an elder and his wife and Kim and I were going to it, this many years ago, and I was out of seminary, but I thought, you know, I've had those classes, and it's going to be a good time to be with this elder and his wife. So a lot of good car time. We're driving like 18 hours to go to it, and 18 hours back. And I thought, yeah, that'll be good. 
very arrogant, very, uh, I'm, I'm, I've arrived, you know, kind of mentality. Um, and I got there and I went through that track and it wasn't long at all. It was like, Oh, this is for me. I needed to hear that. Listen, the only thing that brings anybody back to a passion in Christ is to get them as deep as possible into the word of God and around other people who are fired up about the things of God, uh, in a church, um, the real value a lot of times is having younger people paired with older people, both ways, because the older people sometimes have a lot of, to bring in experience and been down the trail and seen God's faithfulness in different ways. And the younger people have an enthusiasm and an excitement and they're, everything's new. We're trying to figure out how do I prepare my kids? My kid did this. Oh no, is the world falling apart? You know, and you know, if you can uh, facilitate a mentality, let's go to the Word of God and see what it has to say, and then people start to see how that actually plays out freshly again, you can't hold them back. So for me, generally with men, we have certain men's things we do, of course, men's groups and different all those kind of program type things. But for me, I've generally looked around, I've tried to figure out who are the who are the ones who want to who want to grow. And then I start pouring into them with a mindset that they'll do the same. And then over time it starts to infiltrate. It's great. Because it is. It's the Word of God. The reason you're dull to it is because you think you figured it out and you're self-sufficient again. Yeah. And you need to learn that, and the Word of God will take you there. But, you know, to have that interaction uh, in humility, the iron sharpening iron, that kind of thing is very important. And guys are hard to get away. One of the things I did when I first got to Kansas was I took them on a mission trip. Now, this mission trip didn't need us to come, quite honestly. You know what I mean? We were doing a building project. Guys will go do a building project left and right. And so we took these guys down to Grenada. We had a missionary in Grenada in the Caribbean. Easy to get guys to go to Grenada. Harder to get them to go other places. So I took, I don't know, 14 guys down there. And uh, I just, I told Kim, I said, I'm going to treat this like it's church camp for men. Yeah, I, I made them get rid of their phones. You can't take a phone. That's hard, right? Because I wanted, I wanted them disconnected from work, disconnected from everything, even through their families. I had a phone, one phone. We could catch up each day with our families, but I wanted them to be focused on. And we put together uh, spiritual lessons that they did on their own and for the morning and another one that they did on their own for the evening. And then we gathered for what was going to be an hour of just kind of interacting and, and spiritually. And I was kind of taking them through some ideas on priorities of life. And uh, th that hour turned into probably five or six hours every night. And those guys came back and their families were changed and their lives were changed and the church was changed just from that being able to focus for, I don't know, I think we we're gone 10 days. Really to be set apart with the Lord and set apart in his word. Yeah. And it's hard to do with guys. Yeah. Everything's buzzing and calling all the time, right? Yeah. Wives need to give their husbands those opportunities and free them up and, um, not be overly needy or self selfish, but to give of our time um, and to serve in a in a way that will facilitate that. Um, if they feel like they can't leave their wives, maybe to have a conversation as to why. And probably more true, the guys need to do the same because you know, like especially with families and stuff, the guys like the wife's like, you know, I'd like to go with the girls and we're going to study the Word of God and do this or that, and the guys are like looking at the kids and going, you know, scared of the, uh, you guys, we can be, we can be more needy than our wives most of the time, if we're honest. Uh, and, uh, 
Yeah, we need that. It's essential that we free our wives up to grow. You are to present your bride holy and blameless before God. Not that you're doing the work, but you're facilitating that. If your wife is not growing, that's on you. It's on her too, but it's on you. And you make every opportunity. Don't tire to the house so much or to her job or whatever. Oh, we need a, we need another car and it needs better leather seats and I need heat warmers and heat coolers and I want a better place to live and all this kind of stuff. In the end, you end up selling your soul for a bunch of junk that doesn't last and doesn't matter and rots and thieves break in and steal and all and you're keeping her where she can't grow a lot of times because you need that extra bit of money for this or that. And it's hard in California. I get that. I'm not talking. I'm not anti-work or any of that kind of stuff. I'm just saying it's all got to kind of. You got to facilitate their growth in any way possible. It's a priority, and it'll make your life easier if you want to look at it selfishly, <laughs> which I don't recommend. But it's true. I've got two final questions for you, and we're we're going to close out. Um, the first one is um, you beat me to the punch and made it down to Pereira, Colombia before I could get there. And I was really so happy. I was so thankful, honestly, because I couldn't get away. And it was for Ricardo and Vanna, they were just really blessed. And, and I think they needed the encouragement too, as they labored there. But maybe you could share with us what was encouraging during your time um, as Ricardo and Vanna gave up their bedroom and let you sleep in their, their place. And while they were in transition? Oh, well, we experienced hospitality extraordinaire, of course. They're so extremely loving and just selfless of giving of their time and um, ser just serving us, and we went there to serve them. But um, I would say, much like here, getting to know who they're ministering to is just really precious because it just gives you an, an insight into what, what's going on uh, in their lives and in their ministry. Really enjoyed that. Just seeing how their culture um, gathers together and, and worships, what some of the battlegrounds are there, just to see that firsthand. Um, you drive past a garage and there's a church in it, you know, kind of thing. Um, just little things like that, getting glimpses of their culture to me are, are are really sweet. Um, it's a very dark place there. Uh, you're in the middle of witchcraft. Uh, the the witchcraft capital, I believe, of South America. Wasn't that what it Columbia. Columbia. And uh, so you're in a very, very dark place. Um, and so that light is just so beautiful. It is, is shining forth with the gospel. Uh, and just an immense need there. And for Ricardo and Vanna to be down there, that's just to uh, for us, we want to be an encouragement for sure because they're, I mean, we got each other. The church is even in a place like L.A. or San Francisco. You got, look around in the room here, all the folks you got to encourage you. Uh, you go into a place like that and you're starting from scratch and you're far removed geographically from everybody that you know and the person that you can, I mean, yeah, you can Zoom, yeah, you can do all that, but just to be next to somebody and have a conversation, um, that's a tough Tough thing. Yes, Christ is sufficient. Yes, he gives us everything we need so that we can follow him. But he also, part of that is he sends the body. And, and I, I know when I was there, and one of the first things I saw when I came in was you and your elders having a conversation with them via Zoom. And it was so precious to see that connection, too, and uh, to know that. And I know from his testimony and our conversations how precious this place is to, 
to he and his wife and to Vivi and, uh, you know, look for ways as a church that you can come around them. It is a good ministry. It's a town of 500,000 people that I'm not sure there's one other solid church or maybe one that's halfway decent, but 500,000 people, one church. And that's a, a big load to carry. You know, now he's got some help back and there's some good things going on there. But uh, how can how can uh, Lighthouse San Jose uh, go down and, and do some things with them? I know that's hard. You've got young families and things like that. Or maybe you send your pastor and his wife down uh, or something like that. It's a precious, precious thing. And what happens is you come back, your heart's knit together all the more. You understand how to pray better, which the Holy Spirit will redirect our prayer, so it's not essential. But... Uh, it's just a really precious thing. And you, you weep when there's things that are going on. You rejoice just like we sang this morning. Uh, so, you know, how do we come alongside each other? That's what we're trying to do, right? That's what you're trying to do amongst each other here. And then we try to do that in those that we're attached to it otherwise. Let's get it. Yeah, I just, uh, as you think about, like, sending your pastor, pastor's wife, um, the church benefits from that. And there's a, a proverb that I love. It says, he who refreshes others will find himself refreshed. That one version says, uh, when you oil others, then you receive that that oil of refreshment. And so um, it, it's mutual. Um, the uh, Ricardo and Bana will be refreshed, but you'll be refreshed because you're there refreshing them. And so, and then they come back and they um, in turn, will minister to you and come alongside you uh, with a just a, a sweeter perspective of ministry. And listen, they, they legit love the Lord and are doing a great ministry there. So, I mean, how much more do you want to be involved with like that? We've got a group going down there in May, and it's uh, I'm I'm not going, and I'm really excited. The associate pastor and his wife, he's going to do the teaching. We've got uh, probably 12, 14 people who are going to go total, and. Uh, I can't wait to see what that does to the, in their lives as they get to experience what we have the joy of getting to experience and then how it further knits our congregations together as God continues to work, you know, quite far away. Well, that leads us into our final question is, how can we be praying for you? And, and one of the ways that we can be praying for you is for this team that's going to be going down uh, on a short-term missions trip mm -hmm. to serve Ricardo and Vanna, our joint partners in the gospel in Colombia. But how can we be praying for both of you? Yeah, I think, you know, as we're learning that David's mom is not going to get better, what is that going to look like in our home, ministry, uh, various things like that? Um, you know, if my ministry turns more towards uh, caring for her, uh, what that is going to look like and taking that a day at a time and, and doing it well um, and laying aside maybe other things that won't be as much of a priority as we care for her, just wisdom and how to handle that, whatever that will look like, we don't know yet. And then, of course, the same with all the, the, the ministry things you know that we would just do what god desires for us to do with uh use our time well uh to that we'd abound in love so we would have real knowledge and all discernment to approve those things that make a difference like we talked about um there's a lot of things pulling a lot of different ways in ministry of course and uh i want to be faithful to do what god wants me to do nothing more nothing less 
in uh, the character to continue to do it well and be faithful just to love him first and see how that plays out. If, if my love grows cold, that's not profitable for the church. It's not profitable for my wife or anyone else. So I want to really uh, have a, a burning fire. You know, you talked about old people can get a little in a routine, you know, and I don't know if you noticed, but I'm kind of an old person. So routines, curmudgeon. <laughs> I, don't know, what, oh, I wasn't going to say that. But um, just, you know, pray that we continue to speak forth the word of truth according to his plan and his plan alone. And that's in our homes. It's with our family. It's with our church members. It's with our neighbors. It's all that. I think it was probably four to five years ago when both Ricardo and I, in different ways, were struggling in ministry. Um, and we prayed together via FaceTime or Zoom or whatever it was. And he had said to me, he said, Mark, let's pray that the Lord will help us to be faithful in the small things that no one sees. Right. You know, and uh, yeah, whether it's taking care of parents, whether it's loving people who people don't see, and in ministry, the things behind the scenes to be faithful to the Word, it's something we all need. So church family, I'm gonna close our time in prayer. Uh, afterwards, uh, I believe there's food outside in the back for us for our uh, church lunch, and so we can go out and do that afterwards. So would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, what a blessed day that we have as your family on the Lord's Day. It is the best day of the week, and until we go to heaven or Christ, until you come, what an opportunity, Lord, to be filled with your good word, your good news, and to have our hearts and spirits stirred, Lord, uh, by a word from above and by brothers and sisters who you have brought together to be part of the same family. And uh, we're so thankful for what you've done for this church uh, over 13 years. And those who have walked some of that time or the whole of that time know, Lord, that the one who has kept this family together and has protected us is you. You are the one who's done everything from the end to the beginning, and we're so thankful and grateful for that. I just pray, Lord, and lift up the comings to you. We pray for a safe trip home for, for them. We thank you, Lord, for you ordaining and making it possible that we could spend this time together. We pray for them as they care for their mother, that you would uh, give them strength and courage and faith, Lord, especially as from our perspective, the plans change and we don't know what to expect from one minute to the next. And, and it seems like maybe we have to shift plans in ministry, but we pray for both David and Cam, Lord, for uh, that comfort and that strength and that courage and that hope, Lord, that comes in the midst of these things, as well as, as they've asked for wisdom and discernment in the decisions that are to be made. And as David had said, we pray for all of us, but especially for David and the ministry that you've given him, Lord. We pray for enduring faithfulness. You have promised the perseverance of the saints, and so there our hope is sure. But in the small things and in the daily challenges, we pray for wisdom and discernment and a faithfulness to boldly live and proclaim your word and to find sufficiency and hope in no place other than Christ and your word. And Lord, that's our prayer for us as a church as we look at the next leg of the journey and a stewardship of what you've given. Lord, help us to be faithful in things big and small because our hope is in a Savior 
who is faithful, kind, and good, and sovereign. We lift up Vanna and Vivi Grace and Ricardo too with all of these things that we prayed for. And we thank you, Lord, that they are part of our family and we're part of their family. And now as we go out, Lord, would you bless this food that you provided? And we thank you for it. In your name we pray, amen.